we worship and spend time together that God will be honored and glorified and you will walk away blessed and ready to face the new week. Uh, today is the second Sunday in Lent and we will continue our um, ah, one word prayer, but I'm thinking of word and it's gone. <laughs> today the, word, the one word prayer is help and uh, we look forward to hearing about that. Also, if you pray, amen. Well, welcome to week two of our Lent journey, our one word prayer journey. And I'm so encouraged by what I've heard from many of you after our first week. You're, you're trying to, to carve out those 10 minutes a day to quietly listen to God. You're, you're taking advantage of the notebooks that we gave. You're writing in them. So many of you decided to participate in, in the art, expressing your faith through art. In fact, we ordered a hundred of these little canvases, and last week about 90 of them disappeared. And so we ordered another hundred. So know that there's plenty of canvases available. You can take one every week if you wish. If God prompts you to express your faith journey through art in some way, please feel free to participate in that. I love that. Uh, this past week, the first canvas to come back uh, that was taken was brought in back by a six-year-old. Um, and it just warmed my heart to realize that, that children can participate and know that they are a part of this journey together. We do it together as a family, old and young. So I invite you to participate this Lent in any way that God, God leads. I was also not surprised this past week to talk with some of you who were having a really difficult time. That, that you found it challenging to listen to God for 10 minutes a day and to listen to and actually hear his voice. Because intentionally listening for God and sitting quietly, if, if for years your prayer life has been all about talking, that's going to be hard. That's going to take some, some getting used to. So if you gave up last week, if you tried it for a few days and said, forget it, I want to invite you to start again, to try again this week. You know, in that quiet time, let God lead your mind wherever it goes. If, if your thought goes off to the side somewhere, ask God, why am I thinking about this? Why did you bring my thought here? And just listen as God brings your mind wherever it might go. really encourage you to, to maybe read some scripture first and see where God leads through that as you pray your one-word prayers. It was fun to hear some of you talking about the different ways that you heard God speaking the word okay from last week. Some of you heard God saying okay in terms of, of it's going to be okay. You were facing a life challenge and you heard God say, it's okay. Some of you heard God say something to you and, and you said okay. Some of you said okay very willingly and confidently. Some of you said it rather tentatively, you told me. Uh, one of you talked to me about, about how you heard God say, it's okay for you to do something difficult don't know exactly what that difficult thing is yet, but you heard God say it's okay. So whether you have a notebook full of words, whether your notebook is full of pictures, whether your notebook is empty yet, I encourage you to take your notebook, take your time, start again if you haven't tried yet. Because I think this week's one word prayer is one that all of us need to learn how to pray. But it's also one that we don't like to pray. We don't like to ask for help, do we? I know I don't. I like to think that I've got this. I got life. I'm, I'm pretty good. I can handle whatever comes my way. 
I learned a pretty significant lesson about asking for help, though, last fall when I had my, my hip surgery, and the recovery was a lot longer and a lot more in-depth than I ever thought it would be. Okay, for four weeks, zero weight-bearing. So I'm walking around the house with a walker. I felt like I was about 80 years old, okay? And if you ever have a walker, I didn't have one of those cool ones with the basket on front. No basket for me. So I got zero hands. I can't carry anything. If I need to carry a book, I need to ask for help. If I need to get up off the couch, I need to ask for help. If I wanted to put socks on my feet, I needed to ask for help. That was humbling. Okay, and I thought I was doing really well. After four weeks, they, they, the doctor said I could go ahead and start going on crutches. And so I'm tooling around the house on my crutches, and I'm doing, doing well enough getting around that I, I hop in the car one day, and I head to the, to the public library to get a new book. And um, I'm feeling pretty good, pretty confident. And I'm walking towards the library, and this, this woman who's decades older than me sees me coming and holds the door open for me. That was rather humbling for me because I'm usually the one holding the door open for her. But she saw that I needed help and I swallowed hard and I said, thank you. Thank you. It's hard to ask for help because we want to be strong enough. We want to do it on our own. We want to say, I got this. But we can't do it, can we? Now I will admit Asking for help wasn't always that hard. When the first snow fell, it wasn't hard for me to say to Brant, hey, I need your help. I can't shovel. You go shovel for me. You know, is there were times when, were there times maybe when I was good enough to do it, but I said, hey, how about if you help me and do it for me? Well, I, maybe, but I won't admit it here in public, all right? It's hard to ask for help. It's an admission of our weakness but help is a one-word prayer that you and i need to desperately learn and we're going to learn it today from moses hero of the faith who is desperate for help take out your bibles turn to exodus chapters 3 and 4 page 46 in the bibles in front of you i'm not going to read both of these chapters exodus 3 and 4 is one long story but here's my invitation to you Right? I encourage you in your 10 minutes of, of quiet time with God maybe to read Scripture ahead of time because often God will make a word or a phrase from Scripture come to mind. Sometime this week, maybe this afternoon, maybe tomorrow for your 10 minutes of time, first of all, start by reading Exodus 3 and 4 all together. Read this whole story of Moses' interaction with God in one sitting and then spend your 10 minutes. So I'm not going to read this whole chapter with you this morning, we're going to read parts and pieces of it. But you probably remember Moses, if you've heard of Moses, and I hope many of you have, if not all of you, as a confident, bold leader from God, right? He's the one who, who led the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt, led them through 40 years in the desert, led them right to the border of the promised land. He's a confident, bold leader. And we often forget how tentatively and how timidly he began his journey. So last week, if you were here, as we prayed the word okay, we learned that listening to God and hearing God's call in your life and in my life demands a response. Okay, God asks us, he calls us, he gives us a purpose. There might, and we recognize there might be a significant cost involved to saying okay to God's direction. 
That's exactly what Moses experiences here in Exodus 3 and 4. Because here in chapter 3, Moses hears God's call to his life. As we talked about listening to God last week, Moses hears him. Right? He's, he's a shepherd out in the desert watching over his sheep. He sees a bush over in the distance that's on fire. He walks over to explore what's going on. This bush is on fire, but it's not burning up. It's not turning into charcoal. It just keeps on burning. And God calls to him out of that burning bush. And here's what God says to him, starting at verse 7 of Exodus 3. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians. And to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land. A land flowing with milk and honey. The home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now, go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And can you imagine Moses' face right then? What? You want me to do what? You want me to go confront Pharaoh, the leader, the most powerful man in the world? You want me to walk into Egypt with the most powerful military known to man and pull out a million slaves? What? I can imagine that Moses wished he had never walked over to the bush. I can imagine that Moses wished he never would have listened because what he heard was impossible. It, it was a huge task. That could come at a huge cost. And what's to stop Pharaoh from just killing him right when he shows up? Right, Moses' story here, listening to God, mirrors our stories. You see, when we listen to God, if you dare to listen to God, he will often ask us to take on some God-sized tasks in life. Just like Moses. Moses here is overwhelmed. He hears God's call saying, go set my people free. And he's nervous. He's scared. He's doubtful. And when we listen to God, you can expect the same thing. Yet if you listen intently, you will hear words of comfort. You will hear words of love and assurance and encouragement. And then you will also hear God calling you to do things that will make you nervous. Things that will make you scared. Things that you don't want to do, just like Moses didn't really want to go to Egypt. Things that you don't think you can do, just like Moses didn't think he could go. That's our God, okay? He has God-sized plans for you. And those God-sized plans demand God-sized tasks. So some of us hear God's call, and it's a God-sized calling. And some of us discover our desperate need for help when we face the God-sized challenges in our lives. Life in this world broken by sin is hard. You know that. I know that. 
you and I are going to be forced, if we haven't been forced already, to navigate difficult and painful times in life. Many of you have shared those journeys with me. Right, you've navigated the pain of a broken relationship, right, a marriage that falls apart, children who turn their back on you, parents who harm. You've experienced abuse where there's supposed to be love. Maybe you've navigated the pain of loss, the loss of a job, the loss of a dream, the loss of a good friend, maybe the loss of a parent or a child or a spouse who's died. You've navigated, you've had to navigate the loss and the pain of failure. You've had to navigate the pain of a broken body or a broken mind or maybe a broken heart. Life is hard. There are God-sized challenges that you and I have to face and as strong and as capable as we might be, we learn quickly that these God-sized challenges demand God-sized help because we can't do it. If you, were here, if you were here last fall, we debunked the myth that God never gives us more than we can handle, right? We like to say that to people when they're facing these, navigating these challenges of life. Don't worry, God gives you, never gives you more than you can handle. That's just not true. We are desperate for help. We cannot do this on our own. That's exactly what Moses is feeling right here. It's exactly what he feels as God lays this God-sized task in front of him, confronting Pharaoh, leading the nation of Israel out of slavery. It's more than he can handle, way more than he can handle. Moses knows that, and so in the rest of this chapter, in chapter 4, he begins negotiations with God. Right there. They're negotiations that probably should sound very familiar to us. Because my guess is if God has ever asked you to take on a God-sized task, to face a God-sized challenge, you've, you've had this parts of the same conversation with God. So think for a moment. What is God asking you to do? What challenge is God asking you to face? Seriously, does anything come to mind? Is there anything you're facing in your life? Maybe he's convicting you to serve in, in a ministry and you've been saying no. Maybe he's, maybe from the prayer he, he laid on your heart to advocate for refugees. Maybe there's a difficult conversation that you know you're supposed to have and you've been avoiding it. Maybe he's asking you to rebuild a broken relationship or to, to face an upcoming treatment, to deal with a past hurt that you've just been burying. I don't know what it is for you. What is that God-sized calling, that God-sized challenge? When we honestly hear God's call in our lives, like Moses did, we immediately know that we desperately need God's help. It's way beyond us. And so we, we read Exodus 3 and 4, and we see these negotiations between Moses and God. And often we, we've been taught, at least I was growing up, this is Moses making excuses. Excuses of why he should say no. In some ways, that's right. Moses is making excuses. But every excuse he makes really is a cry for help. 
Right? This is Moses asking God to help as an honest admission of his need. He knew he was in over his head. He heard God, and now he's nervous. Now he's scared. And just like you and just like me, when we hear any God-sized task or God-sized call, we are going to feel that same way. And so my guess is Moses' side of this negotiation will sound very familiar to us. And that's why we need to hear God's side, God's answer as well. So here, here we go. Moses hears God's unbelievable call for his life, and he immediately tells God in verse 11, he says, I can't do it. Right, verse 11, Moses says to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? In short, I can't do this, God. This is way beyond me. It's a call from his, from his own weakness, right? And he's exactly right. He can't do it. He doesn't have the authority. He doesn't have the power. He doesn't have the, the, the military might. He doesn't have the influence. And my guess is whatever God asks you to do, your first response is going to be, I can't do it. And you know what? You're right. You can't. Because when we hear God's call to our lives, he so often calls us outside our comfort zones, beyond our abilities, to purposes that are greater than ourselves, to tasks that are way beyond us. And our natural reaction is going to say, God, I can't do it. I'm out. But if we then continue to listen to God, like Moses does, then we're going to hear God's assurance God says in verse 12, look at how it begins. God said, I will be with you. And he goes on to give Moses a sign of his presence. I will be with you. In other words, I will help you. Yeah, you're right. You can't do it. But I can. And I'll be with you. So let's go. You can go with my authority. You can go with my power. You can go with... My influence, God says. And that should be enough. But we have to believe that, don't we? And Moses doesn't. Because his second cry for help is a faith cry. In verse 13, he wonders if God really can do it, right? Verse 13, he, he responds and says, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me. And they ask me, What's his name? What then shall I tell them? In other words, he's saying, I, God, you're not known around here. They aren't going to remember you anymore. I'm not sure that you can do it. I'm not sure that your presence is going to make any difference here. And you know what? He's right. If you fast forward in the story to chapter 5, he does go. Okay? And he stands face to face with Pharaoh and says, The Lord says, let my people go. And Pharaoh's response is, Who's the Lord? And I should obey him. I don't know the Lord. And I will not let his people go. Exactly what Moses said would happen. He doubted God. And you know what? If you doubt God too, if you've heard God's call, or if you face a challenge in life that's so big that you think it's impossible, even with God's power, even with God's presence, if you doubt that he can do it, you're in good company. Moses did too. But we need to keep listening like Moses did. If you were to read the rest of the chapter, again, I hope you do, you'll hear God declare to Moses through the whole rest of chapter 3, not only can I do this, but I will do this. 
He lays out the, the future. He, he shows Moses a glimpse of what's going to happen, of how the people of Israel are going to walk out of Egypt free. Not only are they going to be free, but the Egyptians are going to give them gifts on their way out. He gives them an unbelievable picture of the future that God is going to work. He says, not only can I do this, I am going to do this, I promise. If you'll just trust me, and if you'll just obey, and step forward in faith. That should really be enough right there, shouldn't it? And God has given Moses his pr the promise of his presence and the assurance of, of a future, this preferred future that he's going to work out by his promise. But Moses isn't convinced yet. We turn to chapter 4, ver verse 1. He continues this conversation by Moses confidently declaring, look, I'm going to fail. Right, verse 1, he says, what if they do not believe me? What if they don't listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you? In other words, okay, I know that, that you promised God that we'd be a, a, a team of two, that I'll go and, and I'll go in your power and I should be afraid, but, but I don't think we're strong enough. I don't think we're, we're good enough. I'm sure that we're going to fail. Moses is convinced that Pharaoh is not going to listen and the people of Israel are not going to believe. And in reply, God shares his power with Moses. Right? He tells Moses, he read that next section, he says, take that staff that you walk with, throw it down, and it turns into a snake. Pick up that snake by the tail, it's a staff again. Put your hand in your pocket. Pull it out and it's full of leprosy. Put it back in again. Pull it out and it's healed again. You think we're going to fail? Look at my power, he says. Look at who I am. And I promise you that this power of mine is going to go with you. It will be enough, Moses, to carry you through. So let's go. Still not sold. Moses moves on to a fourth excuse that you and I often share. Verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. You know what Moses is doing here? He's comparing himself to other people. And he's looking around at the people, you know, filing through the people he knows in his mind, and he realizes, I'm not your best choice, God. I'm not the best person for this job. Right, look at me, he says. I, you know, God, that I'm not good at public speaking. We don't know exactly what Moses' problem was, but there was something with his speech. He had some kind of speech impediment. And, and so he points that out and says, God, surely there's a mistake here. There's somebody better than me for this job. You know what's interesting? In God's response, he doesn't deny that. He doesn't say, no, Moses, you are perfectly equipped for this task. Mm -mm. In fact, if anything, God affirms that Moses is right because he says, I'll bring Aaron along. Your brother Aaron, I'll make you guys a team. And I'll speak to you, Moses, and then Aaron will speak to Pharaoh on your behalf. So if anything, he confirms that Moses has a great weakness. But he 
doesn't let Moses off the hook. Because Moses may not be the best choice, but he is God's choice. He's God's choice. And when you and I dare to hear God's call in our lives, we need to know that God is not calling you. He's not calling me because we are so great and we are so well equipped and we are so able. There will always be somebody better equipped than you. You will always be able to find somebody more gifted that you can point to. Somebody with more education or more training or more experience or more confidence. You can always point to a friend or, or a family member or a, maybe a pastor or a fellow church member who God should have asked instead of you. But you know what? God chose you. You are God's choice for what he's called you to do. And that was not a mistake. God doesn't make mistakes. As you and I learn to hear God, he will invite us to join him in his kingdom work, in his kingdom purposes. And like Moses, my guess is you and I will be ready with excuses Ready with excuses of why we should say no. And we must turn every excuse into a request for help. Help me, God. Because when we honestly ask God for help, he always gives it. But we need to be careful. Very careful not to make our requests for help, an excuse to disobey. It is a, we all know how to do this. There's a very practical way to prove that we know how to do this. We've known since we were kids. You parents who have little kids, you know how this works. You've got a toy closet somewhere in your house, right? Maybe it's a toy box, toy closet, toy room. And when the kids go to play, they have no problem finding the energy to unload everything out of that closet. Right? Until the basement is full of toys. And then it's time to, to clean up. You go down and you say to Junior, Hey, Junior, time to put your toys away. Oh, I'm so tired. And next words come out, Help me. Right? Help me. They don't need your help. If they could get it out of the closet, they can put it back in. Right? I can translate that help me request from your kid. Do it for me. I don't want to. Right? I don't want to. If I ask for help, then someone else will do it. Exodus 4.13. Listen to Moses here. He's gone through four excuses so far. Here comes number five. Exodus 4.13. Moses said, Pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. I don't want to do this, he says. I don't want to. I'm scared. I'm nervous. I like being safe here in my comfort zone. I know how to deal with sheep. And I know how to deal with Pharaoh. God, I just don't want to do this. 
You know what God replies to him in the rest of that chapter? He doesn't let him off the hook. Because I know you don't want to. But I'm going to help you. I am going to help you do this. He doesn't, God doesn't give in to our excuses. But he also doesn't leave us on our own either. In his grace and by his power, he gives us the help that we need to begin this God-sized task or to face this God-sized challenge in our life. Now, it goes against every grain in our independent, self-reliant culture. But you and I need to learn to ask for help. We need to learn to admit that we desperately need God. And we need to learn to trust that he will be faithful to his promise of his presence and his power in our lives. And as we pray help, as you explore that prayer this week, Listen for God's voice. And you'll begin to hear help, not as an excuse, but as an invitation to action with God. As an invitation to partner with him to whatever he's called you to. See, our request for help doesn't, doesn't pass the work on to God alone and say, God, help me do it. Instead, it creates a powerful and holy partnership with him. Right? We read that again and again in this book, that story, that partnership. Right? Maybe you remember the story of Nehemiah. Nehemiah goes back to the city of Jerusalem after it's been destroyed and the walls have all collapsed. And God gives him the God-sized task of rebuilding the walls of the city of Jerusalem. They're rubble. And there's enemies all around who don't want those walls rebuilt. And he has just a few people. And he's nervous and he's scared and he gets the project going. And he hears that the enemy is going to attack to keep them from building the wall to stop this God-sized project from moving on. And what does he do? He prays to God appropriately. God, help me. And God says, I will help you. But also go ahead and post a guard on the wall. He partners. God partners with him and says, I'll, I'll provide you my power, but let's work together here. You pray, post a guard, I'll make it work. King Hezekiah later. King Hezekiah, a godly king, falls ill with an infection. The prophet comes and says, you're going to die, Hezekiah. And Hezekiah prays desperately to God, begging for life. And God says, okay, we'll do this together. You pray. I'll provide the power, but I also want you to, to put a heating pad on that infection and to, to take the right medicine. And they go together in partnership, together, a God-sized task. And God says, let's do this together. I'll be there with you. I will carry you through together. Help me. Help me. That prayer help me, is one of the most courageous and humbling prayers that you will ever learn to pray. It is a humbling admission of our own fears, of our own weakness, of our own inability. And it is a courageous invitation not to back down, 
but to accept this God-sized task in partnership with God, trusting that where he guides, he will also provide. So speak the word help. And listen this week to God's voice telling you, don't worry, I'll be with you, and I'm strong enough. And you have my power in you. And you are my choice. Trust me, we can do this. We can face this together. Because I will help you. Would you pray with me? We like to think, Father, that we are courageous and strong. And yet the truth is we're filled with fear and anxiety. And we're weak. Give us the courage, Father, to admit our weakness, to admit our fear. And to come to you asking for help. Because what you ask us to be, what you ask us to do, where you call us to go, what you ask us to face in life is too big for us. It's too difficult. It's too grand. It's too painful. And we will fail on our own. So give us the humility to come to you and ask for help. And then give us the courage hand in hand with you to go where you send us, to face what stands in our way, to pursue your kingdom purposes, to say yes, and to watch your power be released through us. Thank you, Father, that when we ask for help, you are faithful, you are kind, and you are powerful to give it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me, please? Worship team, would you come forward? Our final song for this morning is a confession of our great need for God. My guess is if you're like me, you came in here this morning thinking, I'm, I'm pretty good.